This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in the very end of Genesis chapter one this morning, going to go over a few things as far as as scripture goes and very excited to be together and uh, to be studying the Bible. We got a good passage of scripture to go and spend some time in. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to jump in here, spend a little time in Genesis chapter uh, Genesis chapter 1 and try to move on to Genesis chapter 2 because next week we're going to talk about entering God's rest. And so Genesis chapter 1 and uh, and starting with verse 28, it said then God blessed them. I love it that he says that. God blessed them. He uh, he gave them his stamp of approval and he said I am I'm blessing you to go and do these things. And it is a blessing to have and to know the will of God. It is a blessing to have and to know the will of God. We don't always fight, figure out how to walk in it in its very best, but it is definitely a blessing to know it. He said, he said, he blessed them and God said, let them be fruitful and multiply. Now, I want to tie that back to the passage before because it's actually in the same paragraph. He said he made them male and female. There was a purpose and a reason for making them male and female. There's a purpose in God's creation for there to be male and female. And there's a purpose in the world for not only man, but also all of the uh, beast of the sea and the beast of the beast of the earth. There's a reason for them to be male and female. And that's because you cannot procreate, you cannot fill the earth if they were all male or if they were all female. That Now, there are some animals that can, there's some frogs and things like that can change their sex, but that is a rarity. You must have a male and a female. You must have both in order for them to fill the earth. And that's why God made it that way. God also made them that way so that there would be many of us, so that there would be uniqueness in us, that there would be differences. And in fact, he created the earth so that so that the earth would promote that, that it would propagate that that certain traits and certain aspects of who we are as we moved out all over the planet and it, in its various environments and its varied places, that we would be different, that, that the different traits that uh, tended to work best in an area, the, the skin color, size, body type, body makeup, the ability to eat the foods that were readily available in the area and, and the different metabolisms that we had and the uniqueness of our hair and our, our eye, eyes and our and all the senses that God has given us. He made us so that as we went out over the earth, 
we would become more and more unique. Natural selection would take its course that the genetic mapping of humanity would grow and become bigger and greater. And all this God knew about because he created us. He made us that way. And so he said, go out there, be fruitful and multiply. Allow there to be a lot of you, a bunch of you, a lot of you for me to love and and reveal the very greatness of who I am and the wonder of the differences that can come about when you go out there and become who you're supposed to be in the world. And so he says, then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Who's supposed to be in charge of the earth? Who's supposed to be doing these things in the earth? Who's supposed to be managing and taking care of the earth? Now, there's, there, there is a difference between managing the earth and fear-mongering about things that are going on in the earth. And they're two totally different things. My dad, many times, although I don't know exactly how he was going to see these sea creatures, but my dad said many times, he said, the Japanese hunting whales all out in the ocean and obviously the whale trading. He said, I don't want all the whales dead. I, I don't want them all gone. Because I want, I want, I want to be able to see them, and I want, I want my children, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren to be able to see them. There's a difference between subduing and destroying. And what happened on the Great Plains, as far as the buffalo, was almost a complete disaster. And we have had those disasters where man has overdone, has over overwrought, has overworked, has over has destroyed maybe a species or maybe an area of the world has done things that were not that were not in a way that was for the best of not only humanity but of society. That that has gone on. And those historical events are clear for us. They're not good. It's not good for hunters to go out into Great Plains and kill every buffalo in the Great Plains. That was not good for that was not good for society and it's not good for us. And fishing out all the fish in a lake is bad. Why? Because there's not any fish left. And so there's no more there's no more multiplying and there's no more supply of fish. Now sure you say eventually there'll be fish back in there. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be brim rather than catfish. There'll be there'll be crappie rather than bass. And uh, maybe I want to have a little bass and catfish every once in a while. I might like some catfish. And if they're not there, that's not good. And so when you think about environments, both in the very micro or smallest area or the macro all over the world, we have a responsibility to take care of the environment that we live in. Now, that being said, we have a tendency as our society and in the world society, we have a tendency to fearmonger over things that the truth is, I'm not sure how much of an influence or an effect we actually have on those things. The huge thing in the 1970s, if you read all the scientific magazines when I was a child, the big thing that they were worried about, in fact, they had a giant world UN meeting about this, was global cooling. And that we were about to enter another ice age and that, that most, of the, uh, most of the food supply of the world would shrink. And because the population was growing so quickly that there'd be mass starvation all over the world. That didn't happen. Then the 1980s, acid rain was the huge thing. And that the, the things we put out in the atmosphere were going to burn up the crops and burn up our cars. And I remember this going on when I was a when I was an older child and a young teenager. That's all they could talk about was acid rain. And then right at the end 
of my junior high and high school years, the huge thing was we've got giant holes in the ozone layer. And within the next 10 years, the sun's just going to burn the whole earth up and everything in it. And we're going to be totally destroyed. And there's going to be no hope and no chance for life. And boy, that, that didn't happen in 10 years. And then, you know, you had the giant scare about we were about to run out of gas. We were about to, about to run out of oil. The oil supply would be over in 10 years. There would be no more oil. And come to find out that didn't happen in the early 2000s. And then over the last decade or so, it's been global warming. And the reasons for that is just the we've got these, these greenhouse gases up there, and they're up there to destroy everything. And then and that that didn't quite turn out scientifically the way they wanted it to and now it's just climate change and that things are going to change and be different and how they're different we ought to be majorly afraid of and we better be careful of and we ought to give all the big wigs and all the the globalists total control over everything because climate's going to change climate's been changing for six thousand years i'm not giving them control of something just because the climate's going to change climates change all the time that's natural so you see you've got the two ends of the spectrum. You've got one end of the spectrum where the global globalists are trying to fear monger people into giving them power. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we actually have things that we need to be doing as far as the environment's concerned. Greenpeace is a little bit of a radical left organization, but I don't want all the whales killed. I don't think that's good for society. I'd like to have polar bears. I want the brown bear to exist. I'd like to see some grizzlies out there. When I go to Alaska, I'd like to see them, be able to look at them and watch them uh, feed on the salmon as they're making their run up the river. Now, I want to be several hundred yards away from them because the older I've got, the slower I've got. And and any crowd I'm in, I'm fast becoming the slowest person in that crowd. And so I don't want to see a grizzly bear at 50 yards, but I do want to see grizzly bears. And uh, I do want to see, I'd like to see a panda bear one day. I don't know that I'll ever go to China. I'm not sure I trust them, but, but I'd like to see those things going on in the world. I'd like to see the wonder of God's creation and us subduing God's creation and us taking charge of God's creation, having dominion over God's creation necessitates that we do have a responsibility, and it's a real responsibility. We have a, a real responsibility to manage the world we live in. Now, <clears throat> there's some things that are not manageable, that we can't stop tornadoes. Hurricanes are giant storms in the ocean that we've not had any supply power over. Now, the Chinese have spent a lot of money and a lot of research on controlling when it does rain in their country by seeding clouds, and they've had some success with that. But that's just causing it to rain today rather than tomorrow or this afternoon rather than this evening. And that's just minute changes in what's going on. We have a responsibility to, to subdue the earth and to use it for our benefit. But that being said, we have such a great capacity for food and we have such a great capacity for everything that God has made that if we do it right, it can be done well. And the earth's population could double again and maybe even double again after that. And we still be able to feed everybody and clothe everybody and take care of all those things. And so I'm just saying as a just a uh, just a, in a socially prophetic way, saying that there are two sides to that coin and we have a responsibility but we also have a responsibility not to allow ourselves to be fear-mongered into thinking that the earth is going to be over in the next 10 years which you hear all the time 
And it's been being said since the 1960s and 70s that the earth is going to be destroyed in the next 10 years. That's not true. He said, and God said, see, I've given you, he said, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves along the earth. And God said, I have given you every herb that you'll see, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yield seed, to you it shall be your food. Now notice, God originally made uh, man, he made man to be vegetarian and uh, to eat the fruit and to eat the herbs and to eat the seeds of the earth. And, uh, and he made them to be able to do that and to live well doing that because of the varied fruit and I'm sure of the varied of the very seed and the way the planet was made as far as the firmament above us, I'm sure that work that was absolutely perfect. And there is some ideas out there that that a, a diet that's solely based off of, of anything that's not meat or meat related can work. There, There is some biblical understanding of that. That being said, there's some proteins that you definitely have to get in your diet in order for your body to function properly. If you'll notice, all these things need to be done in moderation. That's, that goes with everything. When we get to the New Testament, Paul begins to teach us that, there's, that, that God has given us the ability and the open door to experience and to be involved in all things, but those things need to be done in moderation, and they need to be done according to God's plans. And so doing those things in moderation, which, by the way, I don't always have a good control over, doing those things in moderation is the biblical model. It's the biblical model. God wants us to do the things that we enjoy and to be a part of what he's doing regularly and enjoying it, but we got to do it in moderation. And he says also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there was life, I've given every green herb and food, and it was so. Notice, not only us, but he had not created carnival. He not created creation for, he created all the animals to be able to eat, eat from the earth, to be vegetarians. And I think that's interesting. I do think it's interesting. I'm not sure he made me to totally be a vegetarian now, but that's interesting. He said, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Indeed, it was very good. In the past, as the days have gone on, God has said that it was good. He made the, the beast of the sea. It was good. He made all the trees and the herb-bearing plants, and it was good. He made the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky, and it was good. But now he's gotten to the end. He's gotten to the end of his creation, and he says of that creation that it is very good. Now, I've been talking about moderation in our thinking and how we consider what God has made. Now, let me say this at the end because I think it's important. When we look at where we live, and the area we live, and then we look out into the stars of the sky and we search for planets and places around the universe that might be able to be a place where we could have lived if we'd been been there rather than here. There is a very small area in any solar system, in any star system, in which life can occur 
as the life that we live here, the life that is around us, it's a very small slither in any solar system. And many of them, it's not one at all. Many of them, it would not even be possible. And it's these, it's the zone in each solar system where life is possible. And that's a very small area. And then the planet has got to be a certain size, no bigger, no smaller. And then the moons uh, or the moon that uh, circles that planet has to be a certain size no bigger, no smaller, and it has to be a certain distance from the planet in order for it to actually exist and in order for the seasons to be proper and for the weather on that planet to be such that life could be sustained. If our moon was twice its size, uh, the tides of the ocean would wash across the face of the earth and totally destroy life on the earth. And if it was half again its size, most of the dry land on the earth would be arid deserts because it would not, we would not have the jet stream in the upper atmosphere. We would not have the tidal movements in the ocean to move moisture onto the land and we would die. If the earth, if the earth was 10 times larger than it is right now, the gravity on the earth would be such that animal life would have difficulty surviving. If we were 10% less the size, we would have difficulty because there's a stronger likelihood that the size and the, uh, and the makeup of the animals on the earth would be so large that they would destroy the planet. If we had a makeup in our atmosphere that wasn't mainly nitrogen and then a good strong percentage of 20, 25% oxygen, we wouldn't be able to survive on the planet because if you have an atmosphere of too much oxygen, it's too volatile because oxygen burns quickly and there would be a strong likelihood that the earth would be a fiery mass of, of fire because of the volcanic activity and all the things that go on beneath the earth. And by the way, if we didn't have that volcanic activity and that constant churning of the earth, there'd be a strong likelihood that the upper crust of the earth would be used up very quickly and uh, we wouldn't have the nutrients in the earth that we needed. And so it, it, as you listen to what I'm talking about, what you're hearing is that God has made a very unique place for us to live in. And it is a very, if things change too much in one direction or the other, if we were, if we were 10% closer to the, to the star, to the sun, we would burn up. If we were 10% farther out, we would freeze. We, these, all these things are, if they were minutely different. And when I say minutely, I'm talking about a small percentage of what they actually are different there'd be strong likelihood that we would not survive, that we would not on the planet that we live on, that life would not be sustainable here. But what I'm telling you is that God created a very unique place for us to live. And from one perspective, it is very unique. From another perspective, when you get to the other end and people begin to realize that we are living in a very unique place, and if it messes up just a little bit, if we get any movement very much on the margins, we won't be able to survive. When we look at all those things around us and see that, it's very easy to begin to be afraid of where we live and to be scared that we're going to destroy the place we live in. But I want you to hear me. God made it this place for us, and he sustains it with his mighty right hand. And there is not a need for us to spend our whole lives in great fear over how that's going to continue to be sustained because he is sustaining it, and he created it so that we could live in it, and he created it so that it would perfectly fit not only man, but all the other creatures that God made on the earth. And so understanding that 
And seeing that and realizing that puts you in a position where you're less likely to be influenced by those who would use the all too easy and all too simple method of uh, fear mongering to make you believe that in some way and somehow, if you don't give them control so that they can do what they want to do, if you don't put them in power, we're all going to die. That's not true. God's already decided how all this is going to work out. And he has put us here for a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify him. And he's not going to glorify himself by killing all of us because one minor thing that is different has changed on the earth. There's been many changes on the earth, many things that have gone on on this planet inside the life zone that God created for us. And if you'll look around you each and every day, the world you live in is absolutely full of the life that God made. And it is very good. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.